0: Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. When we consider the world and all that is made in it since the beginning of time, when God spoke into existence, light, and creation, what do we think about it? Are we considering the reality that everything that God made is good and under his rule, or have we embraced a form of Gnosticism in which the world is only viewed as something bad, ready to be rid of or escaped from? The psalmist begins Psalm 24 with a glorious remembrance that what God has made is good and he rules over his creation. And then we remember that we are still living in a sin-tainted, marred world, and that doesn't stop us from rejoicing in creation and the God of it. Rather, it should reorient our goal and desire to see God as who He really is, creator, sustainer, ruler, and king. Psalm 24, a Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in its holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. In this psalm we have to do justice to this text and the scope of scripture by remembering in the words of the classic hymn, This is my father's world. Everything in it that is created is belonging God, The one who made all things. This also calls us toward a heavenly pursuit, one that is going up the mountain of God. We can compare this back to Psalm 15, reflecting on the character of God and as one who is to be pursued. And in fact, the psalmist asks, who is it that's going to be able to do such a thing? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go up to see the one who founded the world, who made all the things in it, animate and inanimate, and has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers? Who is it that can stand in his holy place? He looks at the corruption of mankind and says it doesn't seem like anyone would be able to ascend the hill of the Lord, and yet, he who has clean hands... And a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing. We can think back to Psalm 1 about the blessed man and the wicked man. Here again, David is setting up this dichotomy, those who are truly pursuing righteousness and those who are not, this piety, this righteousness of character. But we must not leave it there, though it is important that there be a sincerity and a godliness of heart and attitude, but also the reality that all of us are going to fail miserably at attempting to do this righteously perfectly. In fact, even this one, who has clean hands and a pure heart, does so from the righteousness of God of his salvation. He receives the blessing from the Lord, because the Lord gives the blessing. The Lord gives the righteousness. And ultimately, the only righteous one, Jesus Christ, is the perfect character that all believers, both in the Old Covenant and New Covenant, strive toward. God doesn't want any part of worship that is done just for ceremony, that is just done out of habit, but he wants the hearts of his people, and not to pursue the things that are false. In fact, the word that that Hebrew word comes from is also translated as worthless, a false or worthless idol. It's vain, it's useless, it's of no substance, no value, and so why would we pursue those things? When the positive is to pursue the hill of the Lord, the place where the Lord is, but only those who have clean hands, pure hearts, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, as we know on this side of the cross, this generation. These are seekers, seekers who look for the face of God. They will be blessed. They will receive his righteousness. In fact, in Spurgeon's Treasury of David, he cites... Uh, Richard Sibbs, the Puritan, and reminds us about the beauty of being seekers. The generation is the one who seeks the Lord. Sibbs writes, heaven is a generation of finders, of possessors, of enjoyers, seekers of God. But here, we are a generation of seekers. That's what we are called to, seeking the Lord. May he be sought while he may be found. Secondly, we come to a second section of the psalm where it calls us toward this dialogue of sorts. And I really like Trimper Longman. He does a wonderful commentary on the psalms. He says that there's two people speaking, one who is at the city gate, who is awaiting the arrival of the second character, who is at the head of the armies of the Lord. So, we see this dialogue between two different characters calling us to pay attention. The king is coming. So the per- first person says, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And here's the second person, who is this king of glory? Well, we believe he even knows who it is, but he wants to hear Who it is that's arrived? Well, it is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Trimper Longman suggests that this reminds us of the successful return of the king. After a hard-fought and won battle, he returns to the city. And here we command the gates to be lifted up. Now, in the ancient world, gates were not typically lifted up in medieval fashion. They were actually swung outward, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, the gates are to be opened, the doors are to be opened, so that the king of glory may come in. So, what do we learn from this psalm? Well, first of all, that the Lord rules over all things, and that he is the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. We can reflect on such a humble arrival of the King when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And so, we look forward to one more arrival where Jesus himself will return in glorious splendor. Longman recalls the impact of this psalm and calls us to remind ourselves that we are encouraged as Christians to read that God continues to fight for us in the midst of the turmoil of life. And as we await his final victorious return, we can be assured that he is indeed the creator, the sustainer, the ruler, and the king of glory who rules over all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being our King of glory. We ask that you would help us to flee from false, vain, worthless things and set our eyes on the Creator, the Sustainer. That we would live lives faithfully as we image the character of Jesus Christ. Lord, as you continue to work on our hearts, may we be sustained by your word. May we be challenged to grow, and may we be encouraged by the reality that you have won the victory and will continue to reign in our lives and our hearts as we seek your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Call to Words podcast. For more content, just visit CallToWords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.